0: Now, this is a study uh, through the Sermon of the Mount. And we, my first message from this was all the way, I think, in February when we went through the characteristics of a kingdom person. And last week I talked about the substance of a kingdom person. And tonight we'll be talking about the law of the kingdom person. Now, the kingdom of heaven was what Christ came to proclaim. In Matthew 4, Christ came and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he goes to a higher place that people can hear him, and he gives what is called often the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is, can be found in Luke, but the text that we'll be using tonight is in Matthew chapter 5, And the Sermon on the Mount goes from chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And so all of this kingdom talk that Christ is talking about is talking about coming and saying that the kingdom of God is in our hearts and that a kingdom person is about having a changed heart. And so often did the people in um, the Jewish nation looked to, as the scribes and Pharisees, as we'll discuss tonight, how the scribes and Pharisees made it about the outward. But we know from 1 Samuel, when uh, God was choosing his king, when God was going to anoint the son of Jesse, and that all these boys came through, and he says, nope, not that one, no, not that one. Do not consider his statue your stature or his height or his strength or even his beauty. But he pointed to David, who wasn't even there, but he was off in the field. And Jesus or God said through Samuel that God looks on the inward man. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so the kingdom is about the matter of a heart. Matter of the heart that the characteristics of a kingdom person was about their true change in their relationship with God and how they viewed sin. The substance of a kingdom person that we went over last week, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, was about being a reflection or having the substance of a Christ-like character that the character described in the Beatitudes was then put forward as an interaction with the world. And we went over the high priestly prayer and said that Christ was praying that you don't, that the Father would not take the disciples out of the world, but keep them in the world, but keep them from being like the world, that they were to be separate and holy. And so tonight, as we talk about the law of a kingdom person— I'd like to talk to you about how the law that was first given, uh, that was given even before by writing it on our hearts, was given to the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. And that this law hasn't changed. It's not as though Christ comes and now says now I'm going to increase the difficulty of obeying this law. But as we see in the in this end of this passage that we'll be in, he says he calls his people to be perfect, like their Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that is a high calling. And so when we go through this text, we'll see how can one of us who is fallen, a son of Adam that is always sinning, that is has unbelief but then is changed how can we then live a life of righteousness in matthew 19 i'm going to first talk about how christ answered about what is the greatest commandment in matthew 19 16 through 22 and behold a man came up to him jesus saying teacher what good deed must i do to have eternal life or what good deed must i do to be righteous, or what good deed must I do to be accepted by the Father? And he said to him, Jesus saying to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do you, I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, if you desire to be perfect, like your heavenly father is perfect, go and sell your possessions what you possess, and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. And he had great possessions. For he had great possessions. This young man had his heart and his love for the things that he had of this world. This man was of the world. And as though he said, I have kept all of these things on the outward. I have never murdered anybody. I have never committed adultery with my wife. I've never stolen anything. I don't lie to people. I've always honored my father and mother. And of course I love my neighbor. And as Christ explains who is our neighbor through the Good Samaritan and many things, we know that anybody around us, anybody who we see, is our neighbor. This man had outward obedience, but he lacked a heart of the kingdom person. So so this this call to love our neighbor, and we'll get into our text shortly, this call to love our neighbor comes from Leviticus 19. And in Leviticus 19, God tells his people in verse 2 that he is the God who delivered them. Be holy, for I am holy. We've heard that recently in 1 Peter in the morning messages. There is a call to love our neighbor. And because God loves us. Because God loves his people. And so when He's, for example, when he's saying, You shall not steal, Leviticus 19.11, You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, You shall not lie to one another, You shall not swear by my name falsely, So profane the name of your God. And he ends it with, I am the Lord. Earlier he says, I am the Lord your God. He's reminding us, I am holy, so you must be holy. And just as Jesus says in our text, be perfect for your heavenly Father is perfect. So let us get into this text where Jesus goes and he expands upon, upon, expounds upon what the law really means and what did God really mean when he says do not hate or do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery we'll see that it's a matter of the heart so read with me in your Bibles Matthew 5, 17 and we'll read through 20 at first as Christ is teaching on the Sermon of the Mount he says this Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and the earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and pharisees you will not enter the kingdom of heaven when the law was given when the decalogue was given the the ten commandments was given God reminds his people, he says, I am your God, and I have delivered you from the house of slavery. I'm the one who is your savior. I am holy, and so I require you to be holy. And Christ, being the king of kings, coming and declaring his kingdom, says if you desire to be in the kingdom of heaven then your righteousness must exceed those who think about the outward appearance, the scribes and Pharisees. So how can our righteousness be made more than the scribes or Pharisees? Well, first, in this first point, I want to talk about how the kingdom law, that the law described for the theocracy or the government of God's government, how he says, this is how it will be with my people, The kingdom law remains. You might have heard it some before. Uh, People in this new evangelicalism, they will say, well, we're under grace. We can, you know, we can do whatever we desire because Jesus died for me and that's okay. But Jesus says this, that you must be perfect. He's calling us to be without sin. But we know that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that, that although we try to have righteous deeds, they're filthy rags. But as we read earlier in Matthew 19, Jesus said there's only one that is good, and that is God. The law is a reflection of God. And so when Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets... He has not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says that he is God. Jesus comes and says, I am the good one. I am the good shepherd. I am the perfect savior. I'm the king of kings. That all of these laws, and not just the Ten Commandments, but the 613 laws that were given in Leviticus, and over 300 prophecies, He said that I have come to fulfill them. And we know thank God that he has fulfilled all righteousness as his time on this earth and through becoming sin, the one who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. And so his righteousness is put upon us when we have faith in him. That the law is fulfilled in Christ. And we know that He continues and he says that if you lessen or relax least of these commandments, well, it's okay just to take a little bit or to lie a little bit. It's just a white lie, if you've ever heard that. Or, well, I'm angry with somebody, but I'll get over it. He is saying that the least of these things, even the smallest thing that you might not think is is much of a sin, well, it's not going to hurt anybody. He says that you will be the least of the kingdom. But you need to teach the law and do the law as it's taught by God. God does not lower our standards. So the law is to be taught unaltered. And we see that the law is a matter of the heart. And we're going to see this in three examples that he goes through with three commandments. And he talks about some other things about reviling evil back with evil. He goes and he says that these three commandments, yes, you have broken them. You might not have murdered somebody on the outward, but you've murdered them with their heart. The law is a matter of a heart. And so we can see that breaking the law comes from our heart. In James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, when talking about saying that nobody should say that God tempts them, or they're being tempted by God. He continues and it says that but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin. And sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. And so that our heart from our heart comes our desires. But we're called to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. And so if we are desiring anything but him, we have gods before him. And so the first greatest commandment that Christ does not refer to in this, but instead he goes to the second to say, love your neighbor as yourself. He has made it clear that in order to love God, you would need to understand your need for him. And we went over that with the Beatitudes. So let us go through the examples of the law. The first is anger and murder, or anger as it relates to murder. You've heard it said, you, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone Who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be first reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and that judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Christ is saying that when you do commit outward offenses, you will have outward consequences. That if you murder somebody, you're going to deal with the sentencing. Somebody true to, uh, and endeared to my heart has recently been sentenced for murder. And at first, he said, I'm not a violent person. And I said, well, how can you say that? According to the scriptures, all of us are violent people. All of us war against God. We're born warring against God. We're angry when things don't work out our way. Christ is showing you that although there is outward consequences to murder, to insults or or, um, harassment, He's saying that even if you call somebody a fool in an angry way, not just, oh, you fool, but in a way that you're there's contempt. He's saying you're liable to the hell of fire. So if you come to say that you love God and that you're going to go and show your love for God by giving him a gift at the altar. But your brother has something against you. When you say that you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. And John says that in his first epistle. That if we hate our brothers or sisters, how can we say that we love God? So let us become reconciled to our brother. And if somebody has something against us, let's not go to the judgment. Let's not go to court to try to nail them down. But instead, try to reconcile with them. And so Jesus is saying that having anger in your heart for somebody is equivalent to murder them in your heart. You desire to have them dead. Now, I've personally, before I was saved, I had a, uh, somebody that was in my life and came into my life when I was 11 years old. And from 11 to 27 when I was saved. I hated this man. I was angry with him. He, just even looking at him or hearing his voice. I was murdering him with my heart. But what happened was that God, the God of peace, came, changed me. And I was just so, I was so astounded. I don't hate this man anymore. Because God changing our life allows us to love. And so the opposite of selfishness as we see that this anger is somebody is, um, you're angry with them most likely because they have done something against you and you have not denied yourself but instead you're looking at them as look, how, how dare them say something to me like that. So Christ is saying that we are to deny ourselves, put down or whatever we have against a, our brother or sister, put it down and in humility go and be reconciled. Now, reconciliation is not the easiest thing at all. It's probably one of the hardest, most difficult things because of our pride. But not to s- stay too far onto that, let's continue on with the next commandment. You have heard that it was said, in verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent is already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body will be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And he continues on with this adultery saying that it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And so this lust that he's speaking about is looking at somebody with selfish intent in a sexual way. That if you are selfish and you... So marriage itself is about being selfless. And a relationship is about being selfless. You're being selfish when you look with lust. And somebody will say, of course, like that rich young ruler said, I've never cheated on my wife. But how many times has he looked at the woman, you know, on the way? And so when you desire something for yourself that becomes an idol and it takes away and it causes you to sin against your partner, that is... Selfishness and sin and so he says to the extreme that if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out now of course he is saying this and i don't think christ literally means to pluck our eye out with the spoon because the problem will still be there the problem is in our heart not our eyes and so we are to deny ourselves loving our neighbor loving the Love, you, looking at somebody in a lustful way is not loving them. And so that we're to put that off and we're to not do that but deny ourselves because it is better to deny yourself than to be satisfied in this world and go into hell. It continues on about bearing false witness or lying, oaths. Again, you have heard that it was said in verse 33 of Matthew 5. Again, that you have you've heard it, that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem. For it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And so in another translation it says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's saying that when we go and we swear or make an oath, On things that are not ours Which even our head is not our own Our bodies are not our own But it is our creator's We cannot change our hair color And who are we to swear on On heaven or earth But instead he is saying Be true to your word Do not have a promise That you're going to Not fulfill Because when you make a promise And you do not fulfill it He's saying it's lying. So we can even look at that as something that might not be so bad. Well, I said I'd be there, but I didn't show up. Well, that's the same as lying. And so loving somebody is just having something be as simple as yes and no, not making promises and letting people down. In 1 John, well, I think this is, this reference is wrong because there's not 12 chapters in First John. But everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so even John is saying that if you hate somebody, it's the same as murder. And so this is all a matter of the heart. These three examples that Christ is giving is a matter of the heart. And so as it being... As it is a matter of the heart, this law is a law of love. I'm sure you have heard it said before, as Christ said in Matthew chapter 22. Let me get that. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together. This is Matthew 22, 34 through 40. 40. And one of them, a lawyer or an expert of the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment and that a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so Christ saying that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he's saying it's fulfilled through love, not obedience of an outward way. That obedience itself is a response in love. In the Ten Commandments going through, the first four commandments that you're to not have any gods before God that you should not make any graven images no idols no trinkets no anything that you would look to as putting your faith in and not making even an image in, of God in your own imagination because then we will worship that For God is a jealous God. The third commandment saying that you shall not take his name in vain. And the fourth, that you should remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For on six days, the Lord had made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is within them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. These first four commandments can be accomplished or summed up in this way that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might that your entire being loves God that you show him with your desires that you show him with your thoughts and with all of your strength and what you do but we fall short but Christ fulfilled this and the second commandment that is like this, love your neighbor love your neighbor as yourself, can be seen in the next six commandments. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his male, female servant, or his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And so, if you were to dishonor your father and mother, you're showing that you do not love them. If you murder somebody or are angry with a brother, you're showing that you do not love them. If you have lust in your eyes for someone by committing adultery in your heart, you have not loved them. If you steal from somebody, if you desire what they have and are jealous of them, you do not love them. If you lie to somebody or lie about somebody, you do not love them. So Christ is saying that in order to follow the law, we are to love God and love others. And so this is... How Christ sums up the law. That obedience, apart from love, is unprofitable. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul is saying, I can have prophecy, I can know all things, I can do this, I can do that, I can do all sorts of things, but if I have not love, I am nothing. And so outward obedience that we see from the Pharisees is merely just self-righteousness, to be seen by each other. And we'll see that later as we go through the works of a kingdom person. And so as Christ continues on in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about retaliation. You've heard it said, this is verse 38 of Matthew 5. You've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but anyone who slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So Christ is saying, do not put justice in your own hands. Do not revile evil back with evil. We see this in Romans 12. Do not revile evil back with evil. But instead, overcome evil with good. Romans 13:8 through 10 says, You owe no one anything. except to love each each other. For the one who loves another is fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. And as we saw in Leviticus 19, we're called to be holy for God is holy and God is holy and shows his righteousness through the love he has given us and he, the love that he has given us through Christ Jesus. Perfect obedience is from Christ. and We see this here in Matthew five, forty-three through 48 as he sums this up about the law of a kingdom person. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain to the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And as Jesus was claiming to be God by saying that I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets, he has come and he's loved his enemies, the ones who he came to save, or the ones that his people. That Israelites, they murdered him. That the ones who sinned against him, the ones who hung him up on a cross and stole his things, divided his things, they took his cloak, they took his tunic, but he didn't say, hey, that's mine. But instead he said, Father in heaven, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Jesus came. To fulfill all of righteousness. This is the royal law. That we are to love one another. James 2.8 says. If you really fulfill the royal law. According to scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So Christ has com- brought us to this point. To say that we must love one another that the scribes and Pharisees who twisted the law made it about the outward appearances made it about following the rules and not holding to a standard themselves. Matthew 23 several the whole chapter is woes to the scribes and Pharisees. He calls them dead inside. He says that they strain, uh, they strain a gnat and swallow a camel that they look to escape hell but they won't because they do not love that they preach that we would follow these commandments they command other people do this do that but they do not they're hypocrites they're broods of vipers and they come and teach that obedience is done outwardly but Christ comes and says this is not how It was taught. This is not what God's law really is. God's law from the beginning is to love God and love others. So, these Pharisees who have made it almost impossible that tithing, that looking to God, looking to do generous things, they would do it to be seen by others, and they would also tithe even if they found mint on the ground. They would tithe it. Any kind of gain. But really, that's not what the tithing was about. The tithing was loving the the priests. Loving the temple. Well, loving God by supporting and bringing in the offering so that all may eat. This is a call to holiness. This law of the kingdom person is saying that if you were a kingdom person... You must be like your king. And so God brings his imputed righteousness through Christ Jesus, meaning that we who were sinful were given his righteousness, the one who knew no sin, that took on our sin, that became sin, that we may become his righteousness, that the wrath of God was put on to Christ. And Christ's deity and his righteousness was shown throughout his perfect life. And that this royal law is really about the heart. It's not about appearing right or looking good or loving the ones who love you, because he says, well, even the evil, even the tax collectors, the people who you revile, do this. And we see that also in uh, Luke 11, when Christ is talking about ask, seek, knock. And he's saying that we should seek that God would give us his spirit, he says, well, if you, even evil fathers, knowing how to give good gifts, if they would ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? And so even evil fathers, even evil people, know how to do good to win its beneficiary to them. But we're to love the ones who hate us. We're to love the ones who are our enemy, the ones that we have nothing to gain when we love them, but we do have something to gain we have rewards in heaven, so we must reflect and be perfect. we must reflect Christ's righteousness and be perfect to enter the kingdom of heaven. and we know that he has freed us from the slavery of sin that we can now love. First John John talks about how we can love because God first loved us. so we must love our enemies. We must love our neighbors. We must love those around us. Because if we say that we love God but hate someone, the love of God really isn't in us. The truth is not in us. And so this is a high calling. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's divine Spirit coming into us, His Holy Spirit giving us the strength, giving us the love, circumcising our hearts, causing us to walk in its statutes, we can love one another. And then we start to look at why would we have any gods before us? Or why would we have any other god? Why would we have any idol when we have a god who loves us and we're to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might? And why would we desire or covet somebody else's possessions instead of rejoicing with them in what God has blessed them. Loving your father and mother knowing that they have, they have given their lives to take care of you, to raise you. And even when you have fathers and mothers that aren't caring, we're to still honor them because they are the parents that God gave us. And when we have somebody that when we're near somebody to be angry with them, to hate them, to murder them in our hearts. We're not loving them, but instead we're to give up our interests and put others' interests before ourselves. And so this is a call to be like God, to, to be holy as God is holy. And so this can only be accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ in his renewing spirit. And of course, notice he said in the beginning that not one jot or tittle, not one iota or dot, not any of these from the law will pass away until all has been accomplished. And so we can look in hope, knowing that even though we are still battling the flesh, that we still sin, that we still. N- fail to love God completely, and that we fail to love our neighbors, that there is hope that when we see him, although we do not know what He we will be like, when we see him, we will be like him, that the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is keeping us blameless. Jesus Christ's work on the cross is keeping us blameless until his day that he comes back, and we are given new bodies, and that the law is fully accomplished in us that we can then love God and love one another in the kingdom of God when it is fully come and death sin the hatred the lust the lying the stealing the adultery all of that is thrown into the lake of fire and we will just love one another completely let us pray Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for not only being holy, not, even, not just commanding us to be holy, but that you have exhibited through Christ Jesus what it is to be holy, what it is to be perfect, like you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that you would use this message, use your words to sanctify us, sanctify us by your truth, Lord that we may look to you and trust fully in the work of Jesus Christ that he loved the father completely with all of his being and that he loved his neighbors he loved his enemies that when they smacked him on the cheek that he turned it and gave the other cheek to them that he did not revile evil back with evil but instead when others came upon him he was like a lamb Led to the slaughter with his mouth closed. That he did this for us. That by his righteousness, by his rebirth through the Spirit, being risen from the dead, that we too can be born again of the Spirit. That we can then have love in our hearts for those who do not love us. That we can stop living for ourselves and being selfish. But instead, live for you and live for others by loving them. That we would reconcile ourselves with our brothers, with our sisters, with our enemies. That we would live a life of mercy. Blessed are those who love mercy, who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Lord, I pray, have mercy on us and change our hearts. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in person and thank you for joining us online. Have a wonderful evening.